Lady Samus is under fire. She sent an emergency directive. Join the fight. Calling all Metroid fans. If you've been dying for a Metroid podcast to listen to on the road to Metroid Prime 4, you're in luck. Introducing the Omega Metroid Podcast, the only weekly Metroid show on the internet. Join Andy Spiteri of the Champions Cast and esports personality Dakota the Rapture Lasky as they explore the world of Metroid and talk Samus, Space Pirates, and Nintendo every Tuesday. Finally, a show for Metroid fans by Metroid fans. Subscribe on Podbean and iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Omega Metroid Pod. See you next mission. Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri. As always, joined by Alice and Aletha. Al, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. We had a pretty exciting weekend. Yeah, we sure did. That's uh, that's better than I thought that you were going to say, because I am really tired today. We got up oh. at, <laughs> uh, it would have been, what, 6 o'clock your time in the morning yesterday? Yeah, 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so yesterday. 6 a.m. Allison time, 7 a.m. Spateri time. We got up, and we watched the uh, the Age of Calamity showcase at the Tokyo Game Show, uh, and then we stayed up until 2 a.m. Spateri time, 1 a.m. Allison time, and watched some more Age of Calamity stuff, so it was a very long day. Allison, did you take, did you take a power nap in between that uh, those two time periods? You know, I found it really odd that I'm I'm used to waking up super early in the morning, but oh my god, yesterday, like literally after the news was done and I knew everybody handled it well, I was like, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> so that's what I did. Yep. Yeah, I uh the the morning one was a little bit easier than the late night one, but the the two AM one, probably also because we didn't get as much cool information, but I was just like, I am yeah. going to bed, see you later. So, yeah, yesterday was a long shift, but uh, it was fun because it was all in the name of Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Uh, We are finally, finally, finally going to give you that Champions Ballad retrospective we talked about for, it seems like, forever on the show today. But before we get there, uh, we've dragged it out this long. Let's drag it out a little bit longer. Allison, let's talk about some of the stuff that we saw yesterday. And uh, chief among them is... Maybe an easy prediction, but one that we called nonetheless. Young Impa is playable in Age of Calamity. What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, it was it was definitely an easy prediction that a lot of people speculated. And so when we saw her, it was just like, oh yeah, there she is, Young Impa. And she's kind of different from Impas that we've known in the past. She's kind of she kind of sounds like Paya. She's kind of klutzy. And um, that's just from the cutscene that we saw. So I'm kind of curious to see her character play out more. Because she's definitely, she fights still like a badass. But she doesn't have like this badass air 
that I remember Impa to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, when we first saw her, actually, and maybe it was because we got the question last week when we did our Q&A show of, like, do you think that we'll see uh, Paya's mother? I was just like, oh, damn, like, is that is that her? And then I was like, no, that's probably Impa. But, yeah, they, they look startlingly similar, which, I mean, obviously makes sense since they're related. But, uh, yeah, this is a very different, like, version of Impa. Um, when I think of Impa, I think of, like, the Skyward Sword design with, like, the one braid of hair in front of her face. Right. That Hyrule Warrior is the first one really made famous, I think. So it's, it's kind of cool to see her with a different look uh, in this. And, and she looks great. Uh, it looks totally different. Yeah. But, yeah, she... Her fighting style just looks awesome. And I think that you and I, at the same time, were basically just like, dude, she fights like Monk Maz Kashia, which is off she the does. charts exciting. Uh, that makes me think that makes me think that there's like a mastery level of the Sheikah tribe, like where where their skills go. And that's where Monk Maz Kashia is. And since Impa like kind of has the same skills, she must be like master level of her tribe yeah it looked super super cool she has the same thing where like when you're fighting monk maz kashia um maz will create basically clones of herself and impa does the same thing they're all highlighted in blue so they look really cool um i think that so from the gist of it from what we watched you can you can amass maybe like eight or so different clones and when you have all of the clones there's uh there's kind of like a finishing move which I don't know if they ever named it. Did they name what the finishing moves were called or, like, the big moves? Um, I don't think so. Um, usually we all, like, call them, you know, the, their smash power. But there's so many different kinds right. that it's just – it's hard to say. But, yeah, she, like – it depended on how many clones what her finishing move looked like. Like, there, were, if you had just a couple, it was very minimal uh, looking. But if you had, like, a whole army of clones, it just looked so insane. Yeah, so basically what it looked like was each clone would drop, like, a barrel of explosives on an enemy. And obviously the more clones you have, the more explosives that they dropped. So, yeah, it just looked really mm -hmm. awesome. She uh, she looked very fantastic. But, like, yeah, ju just a very different presentation of Impa that, uh, that I'm really looking forward to playing as. I think that, you know, we've seen gameplay of Link, of... Uh, very little of Zelda, and uh, we, obviously we had a showcase yesterday with Impa and Daruk, and I think Impa looks like by far the coolest, and I'm the most excited to play as her. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think, uh, I was thinking that Link definitely looks the same, his fighting style looks the same as Hyrule Warriors, the OG Hyrule Warriors, but yeah, Impa definitely seems like the most different, and the, something I noticed with the gameplay is there's a lot of button mashing in Hyrule Warriors unless you're really good at remembering how to do the combos exactly. This game feels like it's not going to be button mashy at all. Like, you're going to have to think because there's so many different things that you could do with these characters, and especially with Impa. She looks like she has an insane arsenal yeah. of attacks. Yeah, totally. Um, tons of different enemy types that we were shown. We... We saw uh, Moblins, who have, like, a like a boss meter. We saw Wizrobes. We saw Octoroks. We saw uh, Chews. We, we saw, like, tons of, of different enemies from Breath of the Wild. We saw a Guardian show up, and then they cut the footage. Yeah, that oh. was lame. They, they, they were like, oh, yeah, don't show them that just yet. And I was like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah. But we saw that you could deflect their, their lasers just like you can in Breath of the Wild, which is cool. Oh, it was awesome. So, yeah, th this was, like... 
I was really impressed actually because the the graphics engine just looks spot on to Breath of the Wild. I didn't notice any lag or any frame rate drops or anything like that um, throughout. What did we watch? Nearly two hours of footage yesterday. Um, so it looked really it looked really seamless. It looked really crisp. I was very impressed with the with the world. There's a lot of like real like locations like uh, you were fighting in Death Mountain. And one thing that that I think you and I noticed is like. Yeah, um, I can't remember who dropped an apple on Death Mountain, but the thing started to cook when it hit the ground, and I thought that yeah. was so great. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And it's like the the world, the maps are so spot on because when they were on Death Mountain, you could clearly see they were first in the southern mine area leading up, and then you get to Goron City, and then you keep going. And it's like, what do they say? It's one-to-one for the... Uh, for the Breath of the Wild map, you, like, literally see all these points on the map that you were seeing in Breath of the Wild, which we kind of speculated that they weren't going to do that, that they were going to kind of just make it a vague similarity, but they totally did, and I just think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it looks very, very impressive. Uh, we should talk about the baby guardian. This little guy's fighting yeah. with you. Uh, we actually meet him at the same time that we meet Impa in the trailer. Uh, mm-hmm. He... I don't know, he raises, like, a big Sheikah Tower out of the ground, so he's he's kind of OP. Yeah, I think that was, I don't know if he was raising it or if he was reacting to it. I, I have no idea what was happening exactly, but he, um, uh, that was the, that was definitely the central, uh, central Hyrule region tower, which was cool. So it made me think, are we going to see all the other towers rise like that? Because that's, that would be pretty cool in every region. But yeah, and the way he communicates is very R2-D2 also, just the way he sounds. And I, I'm I'm excited to see what he does. So far, he just kind of follows you around. And I'm really, really worried that he's going to break all our hearts, but I really hope that he doesn't. I really, really want a little toy or like an amiibo of this little yeah, fella. An amiibo, I, an amiibo of, of Impa yeah. too would be so wicked. Yeah. So yeah, we, uh, I, we'll, we'll see, I guess. One thing that we should touch on before we move on to the Champions Ballad too is we got a little bit of information about how all of the ruins work in this game. So everybody has yeah. access to the same ruins, which makes sense. Uh, so you're going to have your your cryosis or your magnesis, uh, your all that stuff. But everybody uses them differently. And we got a little bit of a sneak peek of that, uh, but not a, a total in-depth look. Obviously, we still have a bunch of playable characters that we really haven't seen in action. So... Uh, we really only saw Daruk and Impa in uh, in Link use the the items like the remote bombs and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how each rune like kind of uh, separates itself while staying the same for each character. There was that one wicked sequence where Impa was riding like an ice block and just smushing people in in Death Mountain. That was great. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool too. But in, in like the differences, like obviously they all have it, like you said, and it's just used so differently. So you got Impa using the the Cryonis to ride around and smash people, but you have Link using it to launch him in the air so he can do a bullet time attack, which I just think is so smart. And then you got giant bombs for Daruk, which is super cool. Yeah, it was uh, it was really really cool, uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing more. They. They said that there was more coming, but I don't know when that would be. Because, I mean, we're only less than two months away from it. So maybe, you know, maybe we're going to have another showcase or something like that before the game launches. Um, because I assume that they want to show off, like, Urbosa gameplay, Mitha gameplay, Rivali gameplay. And 
I would I would assume that there's got to be at least another playable character or two that they're going to reveal. So, you know, I, I guess that we'll have to wait, but we won't have to wait long to see exactly what uh, what else is next in store for us. Yeah, I would agree with that. Either either they show it to us or we just wait the two months because, I mean, I'm so glad that it's not like a half a year or a year away. Um, I'm glad that they announced it and then it's like just two months later after the announcement. I'm I'm super happy about that because it's been a rough year. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I this is something for me to look forward to in 2020 because 2020 hasn't given me a lot. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, no kidding. Uh, okay, well, you know, we... Uh we obviously had a really fun time checking out the age of calamity stuff but we are here today to finally deliver on this champions ballot episode which i feel like is very apropos because age of calamity is is probably going to be the swan song for our for our heroes um so i i feel like it's fitting that we made this plan before this game was ever announced to really dive into this uh little bit of dlc that really focuses on the champions. Let's start off by going over and give me your memories, Allison, of when this DLC was announced. Because I had a couple specific memories that I remember Zelda fans reacting to. But do you remember at all when when you know Nintendo was like Breath of the Wild will have a season's pass and DLC and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, so I do remember that there was going to be a DLC. I remember they had the first portion of it, and then there was going to be a second portion. Um, and that they said that there would be more story in it, and that it would focus on the champions, I believe. But other than that, I feel like we didn't get a lot of news about it until the day that they gave us the trailer and announced it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We, I think we were told right away that it was going to be the Champions Ballad. Like, that was the name. And then yeah. we were told that it would focus on the story, but we we really didn't get, like, anything until basically it came out. But I remember when they announced DLC for Breath of the Wild, people were, like, livid. They were so upset. And I guess to put in context, like, you know, Nintendo is late to the game on pretty much everything that's new trends, right? So, like, they really were late to the whole DLC thing. We had seen the Wii U generation kind of have DLC, you know, like Smash Bros. It had DLC, obviously. Uh, we'd seen, you know, there there were a few games actually on the Wii U that had that, like, uh, I believe Mario Kart and Pikmin and, and whatnot. But, like, Zelda was the, f I think it was, like, the first really big single-player mainstay Nintendo franchise that had DLC. And I remember tons of people were, like, just losing their minds about it, upset, because... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the same old argument that people complain about DLC with all the time. We're like, oh, this is this is BS. Like, why can't they just sell us the complete game? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, do you remember any of that going on, Allison? Uh, vaguely. I, I think I kind of remembered. I'm just one of those people that people get super negative and uppity about stuff. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like, it's more content and something that I love. Like, I really don't care. If it was like... $60 maybe I'd have been upset but it wasn't so <laughs> and personally when you play Breath of the Wild it it was a complete game the DLC was additional content that they were giving us and letting us continue the story but I just I don't know I feel like it shouldn't have been I don't understand the anger it it was weird because I feel like 
I don't know. I, I feel like there is this weird thing with Nintendo fans that they are very... I, on one hand, they're very traditionalist, and, and they're kind of like Nintendo in that way, where like they're slow to embrace like stuff like this, where I think almost every major Nintendo game for the Switch has had DLC released for it, you know, barring barring mm-hmm. it being a port already, which usually comes included with the DLC. So, yeah, I don't know, but I just remember there being this huge kerfuffle about people really upset that the DLC was coming, and, uh, you know, then really it disappeared for a long time. Uh, we didn't get any news or any announcements about it until the Master Trials came out, which, and the Master Trials was pretty cool, but you, you could definitely tell that they were saving the meat of the DLC for the Champions Ballad, and I just, right. I just remember, it, like, it was supposed to release in late 2018, and it got to the point where it was late 2018, we hadn't heard anything about it, and then we got to, or maybe it was late 2017, actually, excuse me. And then we got to the Game Awards, where Breath of the Wild like swept the floor at one Game of the Year, basically cleaned up everything, and uh, we had that absolutely incredible trailer for the Champions Ballad, where like you had all of the spotlights shining up on the screen and stuff like that. It was such a cool trailer, and it was shadow dropped that night. It was awesome. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, I do, and it's been kind of a tradition for us the last few years to watch the Game Awards together. And if I remember right, you know, it's been, I feel like the Game Awards have been getting kind of like blah the last couple years. But that moment, you were like, oh, wow, okay, they're bringing up the DLC. When is that going to release? And then they said, "Uh, by the way, it's available tonight. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, let's go download it. It was awesome. Um, And yeah, the Game Awards definitely... I feel like that was the the apex of the Game Awards, but maybe it's just because there hasn't been anything really since then that's as kind of cool to us as Zelda fans. But yeah, like that was uh, that was an incredible night. I remember I had uh, I think I had I had packed up Breath of the Wild at that point. I I think I might have even been done Mario Odyssey and getting ready for Xenoblade Two. But yeah, I I busted that out and and started playing the Champions Ballad and like just fell right back in. So um, I wanted to. I wanted to talk about the Champions Ballad because, you know, you had inspired me a couple weeks ago to replay Breath of the Wild from basically, like, almost 100%ing the game. I, I did everything except forget the Koroks. And, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of thoughts about the Champions Ballad because at the time I had a lot of thoughts about what I thought was kind of a not a satisfactory ending for the Champions. But then Age of Calamity is announced, so that changes everything. So my perspective about when we had started this to the point where we're at now is like completely different. But I do still want to go through this and talk about the Champions Ballad, and there's no way that we're going to fit everything into today's episode. So we're going to do this actually in two parts. So um, let's get started. Let's just start off with the the superficial stuff here, Al, um, and talk about all the DLC clothing that you could get. I actually like just love the the side quests in breath of the wild where you go and find chests and it contains like all of the all of the clothing and stuff like that like i like that they give you riddles and that you have to go and uh deduce where that stuff is uh that that's a lot of fun to me i know that some people don't like it because it's it's basically like a fetch quest but to me i i think that it's really like a good time what do you think yeah i would agree completely with that like it was kind of cool because it helped you you know, explore the map more, kind of get to know your area and figure out where those chests were exactly. 
Uh, but there was a negative thing that I realized that day um, is that the inventory for the armor does not let you collect every single piece of armor. Um, I, I realized that when the Champions Valley came out because I wanted to go get these pieces of armor and I couldn't fit them because I already had basically everything else in the game. Really? And so I was just like, oh, they won't let me collect everything. Why? And so that was kind of upsetting and kind of weird. But then it just made you realize, like, what was the more important pieces. Like, so you could probably get rid of some of the jewelry. You could get rid of the ragged clothing that you got on the plateau. That sort of thing. So it made you had to pick and choose. And as a collector heart, it made me a little bit sad. But they were still cool items. Like, Zant's helmet, That's that was super cool. And Ravio's hood. Man, that's so weird. Have they changed that? Because I swear, I have, I I have so. every single piece of equipment like i have every piece of armor in breath of the wild i have tons of amiibo suits like i have the the, the yeah. tunic of time tunic of the wild the tunic of wind you name it i got it and i got all of these pieces and i can't think of anything that i was missing do you have the jewelry pieces like the like the, the ones in gerudo um, town yeah yeah like the earrings and stuff oh uh, maybe, maybe i don't have the t like the tiara and earring and stuff like that actually yeah. Okay. It's not, it's, there's just a couple inventory spaces that you're missing. So that's why it was so aggravating to some people. I see, I like, see. Uh, yeah, dang I mean, it. That, I just need, does, like, two more spots. Because I like collecting stuff, yeah. too. You know what, yep. actually, I really notice when I'm uh, just sidetracking here talking about Amiibo and stuff, when you get the weapons and whatnot, I really wish yeah. that, like, you had more slots in your house to put up swords or to put up shields to, or whatever, yeah. right? Because, like... You can only have three, three, and what is it, like four bows or five bows or something? Uh, Yeah, but I get Which what you're saying. Which sucks, because, because bows are the ones that, like, amiibo. I don't think there's any cool once-in-a-lifetime bows you get in the game, except for maybe the one after um, Vomito. There, there was the, like, the bow of light. Uh, Can you mount the bow of light on your wall? I think so. I, I feel like I did. I... Now you're making me think and not and wonder if I actually did. <laughs> okay, okay. Either way, I think that, like, uh, I wish that there was more spots. But onto the actual, like, clothing that you get uh, from from the Champion's Ballad, I was actually surprised by how much I used a lot of this stuff in my most recent playthrough. Um, particularly the Island Lobster shirt. That was one of the, the first ones that I got. It's kind of cool, and it looks, like, close enough to the the champion's tunic where you don't feel silly wearing it but i use this thing all the time in gerudo desert it keeps you cool so uh, yeah this was this was a lifesaver uh for me and then for some reason ravio's hood makes you climb faster which is okay <laughs> <laughs> i guess ravio was a good climber i don't know <laughs> I, I guess i um I personally didn't use the items too much. I just wanted them for, like, the collection value of them yeah. in my inventory. Yeah, I, I didn't use Zan's helmet too much. Uh, that one stops you from getting frozen. I, I think there was maybe one point when I was in Hebra just kind of schmucking around where, uh, where I was getting frozen that I put it on. But I did use the Phantom Ganon set all the time. In my, in my last playthrough, I actually didn't bother getting, like, the Sheikah stealth set until like very late in the game and i was using the phantom ganon set to uh to sneak around a little bit also because it just looks like super badass so i was uh i was yeah. a big fan of that one yeah that one was pretty cool looking I, and it was like a, an interesting choice 
I don't know, like Zant's helmet is cool, but you just have the helmet. But you have like all of Phantom Ant- uh, Ganon armor, mm-hmm. and it looks cool, but I it kind of seemed like a weird choice to me. But I, I mean, I didn't care. I still got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got it too, and it uh, it actually looked kind of cool if you if you put it in with like the ancient armor set and just swapped out the uh, oh. the helmet with it. It doesn't fit exactly, yeah. but it's close enough. Um, one thing that I was not a big fan of was the Royal Guard set. I think that this looks like actually like pretty bad. It just it just looks silly to me. You don't get any bonuses from it. I don't believe. And um, for for what it was, it was like a pain in the butt to get because like you literally have to scale Hyrule Castle to almost the very very top in order to get this thing or one of the pieces of this thing. So I wasn't I wasn't super about this one. I actually contemplated skipping it, but then I just hated having the side quest sitting in my queue. So I I ended up getting oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it was it wasn't really um. It wasn't really something to be excited about, like, you know, uh, the Phantom Ganon armor. It it was definitely, again, to have the collection of it. Um, and it it just looks, I don't know, it just didn't look very impressive to me, but I liked having it in my inventory. No, it didn't look impressive at all. It looks kind of weird. You have, uh, what are those sideways hats called? Barrettes? Beret? Beret? <laughs> beret? <laughs> they called a beret? Yeah, no, it looked terrible. <laughs> Uh, I agree. I haven't gotten it again since the first time. So yeah, that's, uh, nobody needs that. That tells you. Uh, yeah. The last thing superficial that you get from the Champions Ballad is the ancient uh, bridle and saddle, which actually looks super cool. However, I never ever use it because I never use horses oh. when I play Breath of the Wild. I just really I, I don't do it because like my thing is like i'd rather climb i'd rather sail i'd rather just you know what i mean like i'd rather just like kind of explore places and i feel like the horse controls in breath of the wild aren't as refined as maybe they they could be or they aren't as refined as they are in like twilight princess or ocarina of time Uh, or maybe i'm just really bad at it i don't know but the only horse that i ever bother getting is epona i scan my link amiibo and i get epona but then like you can't put any saddles or anything on epona so it's useless to me Right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I actually really like the ancient armor for the horse. I, I personally get it in a lot of the playthroughs that I do. Like, for example, right now, I'm doing a non-teleportation uh, playthrough, so I kind of cheated and got the ancient armor for the horse because the horse can teleport. I can't teleport, but the horse can. <laughs> and it's been helping me get around um, because I decided not to teleport. But usually I get it because it gives you the extra spurs but it also, yeah, it helps you to uh, get your horse back to wherever you wound up going and you happen to leave it behind, which I just think is super helpful and useful. Yeah, well, I uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't really ride horses. The uh, Like I said, I ride Epona. And actually, the only other horse that I ever bothered to ride was the uh, the skeleton horse. Oh. And you can't, you you can't put that guy in the stable, which is too bad because right. he's a cute little guy. You didn't ever get the the royal white horse? Uh, I, I think I did. Well, yeah, okay. I, I did that quest, but then I, like, I did it, and it, that was it. Never went back. And then you just went back to riding a pony. Got it. I mean, <laughs> I, like, I didn't even ride a pony at all. Like, I just I just don't ride horses at all. And then, yeah. like, we'll, which we'll get to, you know, after we're done, but you get the master cycle, and it's just like, okay, well, now I right. never need a horse. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I really like that stuff. But let's talk about the uh, 
the actual start of the Champions Ballad. Um, this was my first time playing Breath of the Wild, where like I did the Champions Ballad concurrently with like the main story, and uh, it was integrated pretty well. So you have to finish out all of the the main divine beasts, and then you get your your message uh, from Maz saying that you need to come back to the Shrine of Resurrection and give up your Sheikah Slate to uh, to start a new trial. And this is pretty cool because you get this really awesome looking weapon. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like what are those what are those things Raphael uses called the uh, size? Is that what they're called? Oh, I I couldn't tell you, but I I do know what you're saying. So it looks like a big, almost like tip of a trident or whatever it's called the one hit obliterator and this thing is really cool um so basically this will kill anything in one hit as the name implies but you are also killed in one hit by anything so this really adds attention and a strategy to what you're doing and i i was really a big fan of this and again i know that some people weren't but at this point in the game it was just it was so different that I really, really enjoyed the one-hit obliterator. Yeah, I, you know, I thought it was cool because at this point, you know, it's been several months since the original stories came out, and then they have this Champions Ballad. So at this point, you probably have all your hearts, all your, all your goodies, all your armor. You're all OP, and you know, the game might not exactly be too fun anymore. So what they did when they gave us all this extra content is they kind of put you back at level one a little bit where you had to be careful again with how you fought instead of just running in there and killing them with your 82, you know, attack weapon. Right. So I thought that was really cool. I thought that was Nintendo's way of getting us back into the root of the game. And it, they just did it in a cool way, like with this really ceremonial-looking weapon. And I just really appreciated that. Yeah, I, I liked that it actually kind of brought you back to the Great Plateau as well. Because again, like again, yeah. at, at this point of the game, like you, you probably aren't coming back to the Great Plateau very often, if at all, for for anything. And just kind of bringing it back to like where it started, I thought was clever. Um, because like, I mean, initially when it released, I, th I think it's probably fair to say that many people weren't playing Breath of the Wild as religiously anymore. So it was kind of like an easy back into the swing of things, kind of a kind of a thing. But also, it was. You know, it was apparent right away that, like, you had to be, you had to think and you had to be really good at what you're doing or else you were going to die. Um, the one thing that I didn't like about the Obliterator, and I understand why they did it, but I don't like that after you use it, it kind of flickers out and it takes, like, a couple seconds to recharge. I totally get why they did that because then you could just go and button mash and, like, you know, destroy everything. So it kind of adds some checks and balances, but man, it makes right. it harder yeah, it makes you think more. <laughs> um, I personally didn't have too much of. A, I was I was a little bit afraid to use it. I was afraid to get within range of other enemies, so I tried to be super strategic. The for at least initially, um, I tried to be super strategic and like plan out my mode of attack. And I was kind of just afraid to get within range of anybody to use the obliterator. So I I found that I only used it sparingly when I really needed it. Like. I don't know, for a moblin that just snuck up on me, or the bees oh. in the Lazalfos area. <laughs> those are horrible. Uh, what, what do you think but is that... worse, dying to a keys or dying to those bees? 
bees that because you're not expecting you expect the keys to come flying at you but then you got it like you're blowing up all these lasalfos and these random bees come to attack you that's terrible i think it's in the terrible. i think it's in the lasalfo section too where like there's that big cluster of keys like how they how they fly in i don't know schools is that oh, a thing that birds yeah, yeah, do yeah, they, they fly in schools or is that just fish that's probably just fish uh, whatever yeah, there's a big school of keys that comes flying towards you <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yep. it's like, how the hell am I supposed to get rid of these things with this obliterator that like goes dead after two uses? Yeah, I do. Um, this last time that I started playing the Champions Ballad and doing that portion of the game, I just went in Hail Mary and just started, uh, you know, killing a bunch of things with the obliterator, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so there's a, there's definitely different ways that you could use it. You could play this portion of the game. You could either be super strategic and stealthy and think it out or you could try to go in and obliterate everybody yeah i i kind of did the hit and run gimmick where like i would i would go in i would chase after uh, one enemy try and lure him out as best as i could and then you know uh get rid of him the i forget which shrine it was but there is one where there's a bunch of um lizalfos there and like you're kind of you're kind of i think it's on the uh the east side and like it's really tough because it's kind of like a three-tiered, like there's a, a plateau and then there's a little cliff and then there's a little cliff above that and there's some exploding barrels and yeah. stuff. And I would just keep on blowing myself up and like that one I thought was really hard. So the general gist of what you have to do, there's four locations and you have to destroy all of the enemies that are around there and then the shrine appears, which is not definitely not as easy as it seems. But uh, it, it definitely was, I thought it was a lot of fun and like a nice, a nice challenge. And I had, I had a pretty good time with this. Yeah, I did too. Like, like I said, the first time I did it, I was like, I, I really thought about it. But you know, once you've played it a couple times, you're just like, okay, I have more confidence. I could just go barreling through and probably do all right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once you finally defeat all the enemies... The shrines come up from the ground. I noticed uh, right away the first time that I saw them, and I, it just I noticed again. They these shrines look very very different than the regular shrines in Breath mm -hmm. of the Wild. They're very they're like they're taller and they're more sleek. They actually kind of remind me of Zant's helmet in a way. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that until you mentioned it. That's that's true. But yeah, they are different looking. And again, it's kind of a distinctive characteristic that you're like, okay, I'm doing the DLC. This is extra content for me, which is super awesome. I get more shrines, and I like that they differentiated them a bit. Yeah, and the good thing about these shrines too is that you actually get like reward for them. Um, you yeah. you can get you know an extra heart because that's I think that's one thing that you know drives everybody crazy is that there's not enough orbs, spirit orbs, to like complete your stamina, and complete your hearts. So at least you can get yeah. one more with this one. But uh, yeah, I, I thought that the design of them looked really cool. I thought it was cool that like when you look at your shrines, like on the map, these ones are distinct as well. Like they, the symbols are different than the other ones. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. Let's start off and kind of go shrine by shrine here uh, and get, get a little bit uh, in depth into some of the different, into some of the different shrines that, you know, that we encountered here. Um, we'll start off with the one that I picked to do first. This is on the north side of the Great Plateau. This is the Yowaka Ita Shrine. And uh, this was this was a pretty fun shrine, I thought. You you basically need to use Magnesis to pick up a 
cup-like object and carry an orb ball through this like it, it looks like a pinball table actually it, it's uh it's, it's pretty yeah. fun i had i had a good time in this one it was fun but it was also the the thing about the shrines on the great plateau for the the dlc is that they are so designed to kill you yes <laughs> and it's frustrating but at the same time when you complete it you're just like oh yes i can't believe i finally did it because you're like that portion to me i tried to use the metal scoop as a shield from all the spiky balls that are coming at you but sometimes one would sneak around and kill me and it was frustrating but in a fun way <laughs> yeah there there are some like very different levels of frustration in breath of the wild that's one thing i learned from my last playthrough is like there's frustrating in a fun way and there's frustrating in a bad way and i would say almost exclusively frustrating in a bad way refers to shrines that force you to use gyroscopic controls which oh yeah uh, un unfortunately i i do believe that we that we see here in the champion's ballad coming up but uh yeah this one this one was good i thought and not super frustrating um i don't know something something kind of charming about like carrying a big bowl with a ball in it across like this pinball maze <laughs> uh breath of the wild never takes itself like too too seriously which i like yeah and this one was definitely one of the more simpler of the the shrines like obviously don't get hit by the ball there's there's a couple that i died in so many times on the plateau but this one it was kind of like i also did it first it was kind of a nice start into what you're supposed to be doing you're like okay i'm going to go into these shrines and i have to think and i'm gonna try not to die yeah you know actually i'm in it's a good little starter i meant to bring this up earlier but i'll just bring it up now we should also give a shout out to Cass because he is everywhere in this champions ballot yeah. dlc and he's kind of like the glue i think that holds everything together you really learn about his like his teacher and stuff like that and you really kind of see cast complete his journey at the end of it by the end of this he's like he's finished all the champion songs and he is he's kind of become like the teacher himself i think he's no longer the student so cast is a really good job like thematically of kind of holding this all together um it, it kind of took him to another level to me in terms of like his character and his importance to the overall story and plot in breath of the wild before the champions ballad i thought cast was just like he, he was more like a way to give you side quests and he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't super important to the plot. Whereas this one, I think really kind of fulfilled his character and fulfilled his story. Yeah. And he kind of felt almost like a, a bit of a companion throughout the, the DLC, which is cool because you don't really have a companion in this game. It kind of felt like you're being guided by Maz, but you had a kind of a companion along the way, which with Cass. And I thought that was pretty cool too. I liked having him around. Yeah, he uh, he was a, a good presence, and and it always kind of like makes me it makes me feel a little bit happier. Like when you can when you can hear that accordion music playing in the distance, and you get closer and closer, yeah. and you're like, oh, it's Cass. Like, you know, this is this is a good guy. He's a <laughs> That's friend. My buddy. Yeah, he's not out to kill me, which is more than <laughs> I can say for almost every other thing in Breath of the Wild. So yeah, <laughs> I thought that like I thought that Cass was really good in this DLC, um, and, and really kind of, he, he's one of the few instances where, like, the character kind of had, like, a conclusion that I was satisfied with, which, I mean, as we'll get to, I wasn't overly satisfied with a lot of these, uh, these character arcs and stories in the Champion's Ballad, but, yeah, Cass, I thought, right. was really good. He was, he was the linchpin for this DLC. 
he should totally have his own voice actor and i hope he returns for breath of the wild too yeah he's great he's got like five daughters can you imagine <laughs> yeah he he's got to return for breath of the wild too i think um i hope so and yeah i i also hope that he's voice acted i i still think allison i still think that either Cass or Cass's teacher is going to show up in Age of Calamity. I I that believe be that. Cool. I'd be down. Let's do it. Um, I also you just like bop some enemies on the head with the accordion. That'd be so cool. <laughs> you could have like music attacks and stuff like that, and big accordion yeah. bashes. That'd be awesome. I mean, Sheik did in Hyrule Warriors, so I could see it. She used the harp, so I could totally see it. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be super cool. And I and I don't know that it's, like, absolutely impossible. I think it's, I don't know, maybe maybe not likely, but I, I think it's within the realm of possibility that we meet Cass's teacher in, in Age of Calamity. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll um, see. Okay, let's move on to the next shrine here. This one is in the southeast of the, uh, of the Great Plateau. This is the one that I did second. This is the Ruvo... Korba Shrine. I love these names. Uh, so this is basically a combat trial, and I was just about to say, like, this is this is kind of BS when I was doing it. Like, you know, I didn't want to... I, I didn't pay money to have, like, another strength of test kind of shrine, but you do fall into the lower level. Um, but even, even then, you adventure for a little bit once you get into the lower level. Even then, I think that this is probably the weakest shrine of the four on the great plateau what say you yeah no i agree with that completely um i did this one third yeah third so i feel like it wasn't as uh, compared to the one that i did second it wasn't as challenging but there are par parts where you have the most like minor guardian in there and all they do is really shoot at you and so they're far away and they're shooting at you and you have to somehow get to them before they kill you because they could just one shot you so right. that's really frustrating <laughs> and i thought the portion with the more powerful guardian up on the up on the ledge in the final room and then the two on the like pools on the sides that part was kind of hard because you're trying to kill this guardian in the middle and you can't exactly get to it without killing the ones on the sides to use the obliterator so for me i was just shooting fire or bomb arrow after bomb arrow at this thing and it took a while <laughs> yeah you know i so, i didn't have a problem actually like i i shot a couple bomb arrows and got rid of some of the ones on the side and like i feel like as long as you're moving the guardians can't really hit you because they shoot to where you were and they they don't shoot to where you're going you know what i mean like so yeah. as long as you're yeah, moving i feel like you're fine so i i remember just kind of like dashing around like bopping the guardians with the with the obliterator and that was kind of that which you know it, it it was okay like there's a satisfaction to that like you can take out these guardians with your big weapon and it's and it's really cool and it feels satisfying but yeah I, I thought that this one was definitely the weakest of the bunch fair there was what there was my i think my second time i did it i got super lucky and i hit that one in the middle just right and he fell oh nice and i was like oh sweet <laughs> that's great <laughs> there you go but otherwise yeah otherwise i've had an issue with that one but yeah it's not it's not the greatest of the four um all right so i did this one third this is in the south this is the etso korima shrine and uh i thought that this one was pretty fun actually this is one that you have to navigate through the dark 
and uh, yeah. there's all these lasers that are going off at you. There's guardians in here, fire. Um, I just I think that it looks really cool in the dark. Like the the glow from everything, the aesthetic alone, yeah, really kind of makes this shrine. And it's I don't want to say it's challenging because I didn't think it was overly challenging, but like just kind of like you know like you're you're in the dark, you can't see what's around the corner. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of suspenseful because you didn't know what was gonna pop out at you and try and kill you. Um, I did this one last for me, so it was kind of like a nice breath of relief. Um, for me, because I was just like, oh, okay, it's not as hard as the other ones, and it was, it was kind of like, oh, okay, I finished it, whew, which is a sense that, that obliterator part gives you, where you're just like, oh my god, I'm gonna die at every turn, but I agree, the glow of the, um, the, in the dark was cool, I like the, the end when you're going up to see the, the, uh, the monk, and it kind of starts to get lighter yeah. as you go up to the top until it's lit, completely lit. I thought that part was really cool. I was like, ooh, this is cool. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not, like, the most memorable of all of them, but it was still kind of fun. It was a good idea. Yeah, I, I just really like the, uh, I just like the concept of, like, being in the dark in Breath of the Wild. Like, I really like the, uh, the dark forest quest where you're you know, you're, you don't have any light and you're kind of looking for the orb and the shrine and whatnot. I think that that one's really yeah. fun. And like, there's definitely that tension of like, I can't see, I'm going to die in one hit. So yeah, I, I thought that this one was, was pretty fun. However, I saved the best for last. I remembered from yeah, my did. playthrough before that, uh, the shrine to go to is the one on the east side of the great plateau the i'm gonna butcher this the rota shiga shrine <laughs> this this is <laughs> awesome i think that this is probably the best shrine in the champion's ballad it's so fun there's spikes coming at you everywhere you need to build walkways to get across um you're running down hallways where like spikes are chasing you it feels very indiana jones you need to paraglide through like all these obstacles coming at you and, and navigate your way around them I thought that this one was so fun. Um, I agree that it was super fun. It is definitely the most creative, but it was also for me personally, and I feel like for some people, I think we were playing this at one of the uh, marathons and people were getting super frustrated with it, but it was the most frustrating because you're like, okay, I got past that last part, and then you just die because you accidentally got hit by a swinging spike boulder. Oh. Or, <laughs> or, you know, it, it was like there was just so there was so much going on that it was crazy, and you were super excited to make it past the last part that you died in the next part. Um, I personally died so many times on this shine, and I was uh, – it was – again frustrating in a fun way because i was just like oh gosh dang it like i just want to get through but also the shrine is awesome the uh, the paragliding parts in particular are like super stressful because there's there's the yeah. three spikes that are hanging and they're going yeah and so like what i did was i um i used stasis on i think it was the second one so i like i just got past the the first one i i timed it right the second one was still in stasis, so I got past that. And then I got past, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to hit the third one. I'm going to hit the third one. And it, like, it missed me <laughs> by a whisker. It was so close. That was, like, that was such a rush. I think that this shrine is, like, really, really one of the ones that I remember about, like, Breath of the Wild as a whole. It's it's so intense. It's so fun. 
I really love like the Indiana Jones style gimmick where like you you have that to be part, you yeah. have to be moving because there's a thing coming behind you and the platform has like all this different stuff going on and it's a narrow kind of platform and you could you know you can either fall or you can get hit by spikes. Um, this one was like really really fun. That narrow uh, hall at the end, it's kind of like daunting because you can see the end in sight. You know it's down there. And then, but then there's still like spike walls coming in at you and you're being chased. So it's kind of like, oh my God, I really don't want to die this part because I could literally see the end. Um, when you were talking about the spike balls too, uh, one thing that I figured out this last, this last time that I played it is the first one is on a rope. You can cut it down. Really? It's, yeah, so it's, oh my God. that's like one less obstacle. And then you could stasis one of them. So that's two down. You just have to worry about one. But I didn't realize that the first time, but this last time I did, I was like, oh, thank God. Wow. Because <laughs> that, yeah, it's definitely a little frustrating. Oh, man. Yeah, I did, I did not know that at all. Um, yeah, this, I think, is one of the the absolute best shrines in the game. It, it really sticks out to me. I remembered it from the first time that I played, and uh, I, I especially saved it for last because I knew how fun it was. And I remember seeing this one in the trailer, and I was just like, God, this looks awesome. Like, I hope that all the shrines are like this. So, yeah, I thought that this one yeah. was, like, really, really wicked. Really well done. It definitely had more of a challenge getting to it, too, because that's the one with the, in the Lizalfos area with all the Lizalfos, which I personally think is one of the hardest enemies to fight in Breath of the Wild. And then the bees. And also there was, like, a silver Lizalfos, so that's the one you were trying to save your obliterator hit for. So it was it was it had the hardest region to kind of uh get kill all the enemies to get into the shrine and then it definitely was the most challenging shrine so i agreed that was the best one of the four at least yeah definitely um so after you're done you're finished all four shrines you get four spirit orbs which is fantastic um you then bring the obliterator back and it breaks up and it sends you back into the world and basically back to the divine beasts i have to admit when i first played this I was like a little bit apprehensive that I was going to be basically just stuck on the Great Plateau with this obliterator. Um, so I was really relieved when we got to go back out into Hyrule and like back into the places that, you know, we had been before. One thing that I think I would have liked, though, is to like find a way to keep the obliterator because it was such a cool concept. Like I, w I would have liked if you could keep it and then... Like, whenever you equipped it, you're automatically down to a quarter heart, but, like, you still have the same power. I thought that that would have been, like, a cool kind of reward for doing this. And it's too bad that that doesn't really happen. Yeah, I did think that was kind of interesting. I totally thought you would get to keep it. Um, but I think it makes sense why they didn't give it to you. Like, um, this is something that I want to see from Age of Calamity. Is like, obviously, Amaz Kashi is putting Link through his trial to become... A pilot of his own divine beast so that i understand why he wasn't able to keep it but i really hope to see the other um the other champions kind of go through their own trials that they had to to become the champions um so like i understand why he didn't get to keep it and why you don't get to keep it in your inventory and use it it's just for the trial but yeah it would be kind of cool to have it <laughs> Well, we still have a ton of stuff to get to, and I think, Al, maybe we'll save that for next week. Uh, we're going to go through all of the different songs that you go through. Um, you know, each champion has their own songs. They have their own kind of, uh, 
they have their own like little obstacles that you have to take care of and then shrines that uh that go along with them so there is an yeah. absolute ton of stuff that we're going to get to we'll also go through all of the memories and of course we will go through the final um the final fight the final divine beast uh one thing that maybe we can do this week since we're gonna have such a jam-packed week next week is let's just kind of skip ahead and talk about the master cycle here for a second uh you just oh, you just yeah. brought it up but what did like what did you think of the master cycle because i know that there were some people that just like absolutely hated seeing a motorcycle in breath of the wild <laughs> That makes me a little sad. But, like, okay, so when they showed it in the trailer, there's, like, this moment where it's, like, black, and then you hear the engine, and you're just like, what is that? And then it shows Link riding around on this motorcycle. And, yeah, it's kind of weird, but it makes total sense. Like, it's a horse. It's Link's, div- like, Divine Beast. It's his, you know, that's that's the um, his, he, what he gets to pilot. Sorry, I'm mixing up my words. But... And, like, yeah, it's not as big as the other ones, but it makes sense for him to have it because it's just, like, Link and horseback. It just makes sense. And then um, the fact it gives you a faster way to travel on this huge map, which is another reason that it makes sense. So, I again, I don't understand why people got upset. It is weird, but I liked it. I thought it was really cool, and I enjoy it when I enjoy getting it, and I'm glad how much work it takes to get it because you don't you can't just, like, get it like a horse at the beginning of the game you have to go through a huge chunk of the game to get to it oh yeah i really appreciate that yeah absolutely um you know i i actually i totally get it right like i totally get why people don't like it it's a motorcycle for crying out loud in breath of the wild but like come on let's have some fun here i think that this is like super super fun to use uh it it makes in my opinion, like I was saying earlier, it makes horses, like, totally obsolete. Um, yeah. I, I didn't really even use it that much because, like I said, I'm usually, like, like gliding or climbing or, like, doing whatever, right? So um, I didn't use it a ton, but it is, like, I just think super fun just zipping around on that thing. And, like, it, it feels like, it just feels really fun. I actually think that the Master Cycle controls better than riding a regular horse. Yeah, it does. Um, I, it was funny. The first time I got it, I was so excited. I rode straight off the plateau yeah. with it, <laughs> and I survived, and then I ran into a tree. But <laughs> I, it's really cool. Like, it, it's I'm excited to get it for my current playthrough of no teleporting because that means I get just to ride the whole it forever, and I'm super excited about that. Yeah, it's weird. It's different. But, I mean, sometimes change is good. So, I really liked it. Yeah, I, I thought that it was a cool gimmick. You know, one thing that... Uh, I, I don't know that I ever got this about the Master Cycle. But, like, you actually have to use fuel to, like, power it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I don't... I still don't get it. Because, like, I'm sure that I never put any fuel into it. I checked all my resources and they were all still there. I don't know what fuels this thing, Allison. Can you explain this to me? You can put, like, food items. A lot of people use apples because they're so easy to come by. And I do I do remember my first time playing it, realizing I, I didn't know that you had to fuel it. And if you don't fuel it, it just doesn't run as fast. So, you know, that makes sense. But you could put guardian parts in it. And I think that does um, better than apples. I think if you, you use, like, five apples and it only gives you half gauge. But if you use two guardian parts, it gives you full gauge. So, um 
I've, I think Guardian parts are the best way to go, but you kind of don't want to part with those. So a lot of people used apples. Um, so two, two things that I thought were interesting about this, this is just kind of like trivia or whatever, but apparently EGA and Numa like really wanted to get the master cycle into the main game itself. And all the staff were, were telling them no and telling them no and telling them no. And then when the DLC came out, the, uh, <laughs> the, the programmers basically were told that they had to put the, the boat, the bike into it. So I thought that that was great. Um, apparently as well. <laughs> The Master Cycle Zero originally was based on a wolf instead of a horse. So that's kind of cool, I think. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes that also makes sense. But I, I prefer the horse. I agree. Um, worth noting, too, that this thing shows up in Mario Kart. So that's kind of a cool little bit of uh, cross-promotion yeah. right there. And one thing that I really love as well, like, when you, when you finally do get to, you know, finally finish the champions ballad you get the little sprite on the loading screen that comes up and it's it's such a small thing oh, yeah. but it's it makes me feel so accomplished when i see that alongside like all the divine beasts and stuff like that um i really really appreciate that yeah i totally forgot about that you're right and it, it is it is cool because they all kind of move and then you got the master cycle kind of zooming forward which is pretty cool i i agree that does feel like an accomplishment well, there you go. This is, uh, you know, this is only the tip of the iceberg for the Champions Ballad. As we mentioned, uh, we didn't want to do like a two and a half hour episode this week because we stayed up super late watching Age of Calamity. So we're going to be back <laughs> next week and we have a lot to get into. Uh, I can't I can't wait to talk about the final Divine Beast, all of the champion memories. And you know that I am excited to talk about Monk Maz Kashia. I can't wait. Yeah, who who wouldn't be? That music, though. Uh, what do you... Power rank the chances of Monk Maskashia getting into Age of Calamity. I feel like Impa's moveset kind of, like, kills that. Because I, I feel like that's exactly what Monk Maskashia would have been like. Or would have had moves like. I... You know what? You're right. But I'm curious, like, even if we don't get the character, maybe there will be a map that's inside a shrine because I could totally see that, and we'll get the Monk Maz Kashia music, like, remixed or something. That's that's a cool idea. I didn't even think of that, actually. Inside of a Let's shrine. See. That would be wicked. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that, uh... I could definitely see that happening, actually, now that now that you said it. So I hope you're right. Um, I, th I think the original Hyrule Warriors, there was at least, like, you could go into the Water Temple, I think, and other inside areas, so I totally could see them going into a shrine. Hmm. Yeah, well, I man, I hope that you're right. I didn't even consider that, but that kind of opens up a whole new world of, of possibilities and whatnot for yeah. uh, for the game. And, like, really kind of a malleable stage that you can really make whatever you want. That's really, that's a cool exactly. idea. Um, but, yeah, there we go. We'll be back next week. We'll have part two of the Champions Ballad retrospective. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about all this, so make sure that you are tuning in. And, of course, make sure that you are uh, checking out Zelda Dungeon because there is uh, seemingly Age of Calamity news coming in hot and heavy every day. One thing that we actually we, we skipped over earlier, Al, is uh, if you have a Breath of the Wild save file on oh, your yeah. Switch, you get a fine, rusty sword for, for Age of Calamity. You get a little training sword. And some people were like, oh, rip to Wii U uh, users, but at this, it's not like a, a crazy awesome reward, so it's not something to be mad about, but it's kind of cool. 
I, I might upset some people here too, but I, I feel like almost nobody has Breath of the Wild on the <laughs> Wii U. I mean, comparatively speaking to the Switch, right? Like, right. it's at like 20 million copies, and I think 19 million of them are on the Switch. So, <laughs> right, makes sense. I, I think that that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, you get you get your training sword, and I think you get the uh, the soup ladle too. So there you go. All the more reason if you don't have Breath of the Wild before Age of Calamity already to pick it up. There you go. Uh, that's gonna do it for us. We're gonna get out of here. Of course, we want you to uh, to check us out over on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Like and subscribe. Tell a Zelda fan in your life where they can get their Zelda fix on the way to Age of Calamity, and uh, check us out over on Twitter. I'm at Spateri316. Allison is at Allison Aletha. Uh, and we're going to get out of here, Allison, because uh, we've had a lot of Zelda this weekend. But we'll be back to finish <laughs> this episode next week. Until then. <laughs> <laughs>